3-1. Swung on and cracked to deep center field. Going back is Powell. He's at the wall, leaping. It's out of here. A grand slam for Nick Sieri. And the Terps take an 8-7 lead. First pitch to Tyler, and he swings away and hits it to right field straight away. Nickens is there. He makes the catch. Tagging is Yogan. He's going to try to score to the throw to the plate. The tag, and he is out at the plate. Madison Nickens guns him down, and the Terps get out of the inning. That one's hit to deep left field. Going back is Vargas. It's a no-doubter. Over the scoreboard and out of here. Marty Costas goes yard. His second home run of the game, and the Terps lead it 7-2. Loom to the plate is a squeeze play, popped up on Bechtold dives and makes the grab. What a play from Andrew Bechtold, jogging back to the base, will double off Marty Bikina, a double play to end the frame. 1-1 one, one home to Papu and he hits it high and deep to center field. Going back is Johnson at the wall and it's out of here. Anthony Papio a two-run bomb, 6-0 Terps. The pitch, breaking ball, cracked into center field. Jed Carsey takes off and gets down. He's going to round third base. The throw in won't be in time. Safe at the plate. Terps win. Terps win. They come from behind and win 2-1. to one. Fastball swung on and missed. Strike three. The Terps are going to Omaha. The season will continue for Maryland baseball. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Jake Eisenberg alongside Matt Present as always and we are live from Omaha, Nebraska, the mecca of college baseball and the site of this year's Big Ten Tournament. Jake, it's a great place to be for college baseball, no doubt about it. Obviously having the Big Ten Tournament last year at Target Field was special. It was cool for these guys to play on a big league field, for you to be in a big league press box but it didn't have the same aura around it that Omaha, Nebraska has for college baseball. This is truly a special place, and it should be a great atmosphere here for the Big Ten Tournament. Well, I can speak to last year's environment at Target Field, and boy, was it cool to be in a major league stadium and a major league press box, and all the players got a real kick out of it too. And the mentality coming into Omaha on the flight over here and on the bus drive kind of going to the hotel, the mentality was, okay, we're in Omaha, but... It's not during the College World Series, it's during the Big Ten Tournament, it's not really the same. But then, as we were driving up to the hotel, we drove, we drove around TD Ameritrade Park, we drove around the baseball stadium, and at that moment, everyone's mouths opened and no words came out. It was just pure awe from pretty much everybody on the bus, because really no one has ever been to Omaha before, except for Jimmy Ballinger, who played there back in 07 with Louisville. But for all the players, this is a really like an incredible experience to be in Omaha, Nebraska, whether it's during the Big Ten Tournament or during the College World Series, it's certainly really, really, really cool. Yeah, and that's certainly a sell for this program and for every program in the Big Ten because the Big Ten has reached an agreement that I think it's seven or eight of the next ten championships will be played here in Omaha. And perhaps some teams initially go, okay, well, maybe we don't get to host or it's not near us. But you get here, and like you said, you have that moment of awe wow this is a special place and it's so great for these players and it's such a motivator to say okay I want to be back here in a few weeks well I think the the theme of our week at least or for Maryland baseball that is is that the Terps road to Omaha starts in Omaha you know over the last couple of weeks things have dropped off a little bit and I think the chance at an at-large bid is either pretty much non-existent or absolutely gone and the only way that Maryland 
advances to their third straight NCAA tournament is by winning the entire tournament this week. I certainly think so. I think at the very minimum, they have to make it to the final. And they got a taste of that last weekend, Jake, at Michigan State. Games on the road that they had to win, and now a neutral site in a tournament where, yeah, it's double elimination, but there's not a lot of leeway. You really have to put your best foot forward every single game. Well, we said it incessantly on the broadcast in East Lansing. If Maryland wins, they're in. They won on Thursday, 6-3 to three behind Mike Schwarn. And then on Friday, it was touch and go, a back-and-forth game that eventually Michigan State won in extra innings 4-3. to three. It took 13 frames to end that one. But then Friday, you know, the, the intensity was there from this Maryland team. They showed a lot of grit, a lot of heart. And for a young team, too, to end up taking that game and moving on to the Big Ten tournament. For sure, and I think they played well in all three games. I, there's no question about it. Even in the extra inning loss, I mean, they gave themselves a chance to win. They got out of a lot of trouble late. They kept keeping themselves in it. And while they didn't get the big hit that mattered late, it's a great experience to have in a crucial situation to get a guy like Hunter Parsons pitching in that spot. You know, to get guys like Mike Racino, who, you know, he's not a young guy, but he hasn't pitched a lot and he hasn't pitched in big spots. To get those guys... That experience and to get the lineup chances in that moment, I think really prepares them well for the week ahead. Well, they got the big hit on Saturday, that's for sure. A two-run single in the seventh by Kevin Biondic to give the Terps the lead that they would hold on to. Ryan Summer coming in, getting his fourth save of the season. And that really, well, it sent Maryland to Omaha. They clinched their spot, would not have to scoreboard watch to see what happened with Michigan and Illinois later that day. It was, you know, flights booked, hotels ready, let's go out. And get it, that was kind of the message and the mentality. And, well, now we're here, Matt. We're in Omaha. We can see TD Ameritrade Park from the window in our hotel room right now. And, I mean, it's not just cool for the players. I think it's cool, pretty cool for us, too. No, it's just a cool place to be for anyone. I, I don't think you can come here as a baseball fan and it not be cool. I, I just think that's impossible. But for those of you maybe not so familiar with the tournament, it's an interesting format. It's double elimination. There's two sides of the bracket. And if you if you lose, you go to a loser's bracket, and then they kind of flip-flop at the end, and it's a single elimination, winner-take-all championship, which Maryland got to last year and fell to Michigan State, or Michigan, I should say. Um, so you can win it with four games, you can win it with five games, but it is double elimination up until that championship game on Sunday afternoon. Well, last year, Maryland didn't need to go to the loser's bracket. They won the first three games they played and went straight to the Big Ten Tournament Championship where they played Michigan and in a bit of an error-riddled game ended up falling to the Wolverines in that final but still got the tournament spot, of course, won the UCLA Regional, made it to Charlottesville to play Virginia for the second straight year and then fell for the second straight year. And, you know, there's a chip on the players that, you know, were there the past two years that have been in Virginia the past two years. Anthony Papio, who we'll talk to later, you know, has that chip on his shoulder. And some of these younger players have inherited that kind of, well, chip, so to speak. I think the statement that has stuck out to me the most this year is we talked to Rob Galligan after senior night. And we asked him to reflect on his time here at Maryland. And I think a lot of people would, you know, think about all the great times they had. And not to say that Rob wasn't doing that. But what he said immediately, without a moment's hesitation, was two regional championships, no trip to the College World Series. I mean, it was so clear that that's what was on his mind. And so fast, too. So fast, right. And that he just wanted it so badly. And he's certainly not alone. This team has gotten so close two years in a row. And, you know, 
we've talked about it at length this season that it's not the same season it was the last two, that there's been these ups and downs, that there's been these inconsistencies. But right now at the Big Ten Tournament, you have a chance to wipe this league clean. And four wins and you could be in. Well, we'll take a look at the bracket now, and we'll hear from Anthony Papio later, as well as Chris Webb, a writer and the founder of Big Baseball, a blog about Big Ten Baseball, and really he's kind of an authority on all things all Big Ten Baseball, so we'll speak to him later. But right now, diving into the bracket, Maryland, the number six seed coming into the tournament, they'll face off with Indiana, the three seed, in the first game of the entire show. It's game one at 9 a.m. Central Time, Eastern Time, if you're back on the East Coast, and that's really that's at the top left of the bracket, and they're also in the same half of the bracket with the two-seed Nebraska and then the seven-seed Michigan State. Looking at the bottom in bracket two, so to speak, it's the one-seed Minnesota, the regular season champions of the Big Ten, against the eight-seed Iowa, and then it's a 4-5 matchup between Ohio State, the four, and Michigan, the five, and that'll be a fun one just for rivalry purposes. But as you said, Matt, it's a bit of a wonky double elimination bracket with two halves to it, and I think Maryland got a pretty decent draw. Yeah, I think so. I think it's so interesting because of how tight the whole conference was. I mean, up until the very end, just very entertaining. Just as a baseball fan, with so many teams going into the last weekend of play, having a chance to make it. And for Maryland to get up to the sixth seed is, is pretty impressive for them. You know, it, it is a bit of an early game, but then again, they, they get to get it out of the way and have some rest. And uh, the situation, if they win... They'll play at 5 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday. If they lose, it's another early morning game on Thursday. But either way, like we said, double elimination in the beginning, so they will be playing on Thursday against either the winner of Nebraska-Michigan State if they win or the loser of that game if they fall. Well, here's why I said they got a little bit of a favorable draw. They won't have to face Minnesota, the Big Ten champion. They won't have to face Iowa, who beat them two games out of three, at the beginning of the Big Ten regular season. They won't have to face Ohio State, who's red hot right now, and the number four seed. And, well, I guess you could say they don't have to face Michigan, which is one of the better teams coming in, although they've stumbled down the home stretch. The one team they will potentially have to face in that top half of the bracket is Nebraska. And I think, personally, they pose the biggest matchup questions for the Sherps. And we'll get more in-depth of this when we talk to Chris. But... You know, in game one, you draw Indiana, a team that the Terps haven't played all season but did play last year in the Big Ten tournament, won 4-2 in the semifinal after getting swept by the Hoosiers in Indiana last season. In College Park, actually. Oh, excuse they me. They came to College Park and they swept the Terps, and it was really interesting because I remember going into that series. Indiana had been really successful in 2013 and 2014, led most notably by Kyle Schwarber, a guy who just a year later, is on a major league roster and playing well for the Cubs, and it's too bad the injury that he suffered earlier this season. But, you know, I remember talking to the Indiana media guys and saying, like, you know, what's what's the deal? What has changed from last year to this year? Uh, I'm speaking about a, a year ago when they came to College Park, and it was as simple as Kyle Schwarber. But they swept Maryland as part of winning nine of their final ten games of the season, and they made it to a regional last year, and I mean, this season, they, they played pretty good baseball. So, I mean, they started last year slowly, but over the course of the last four or five years, Indiana's been a really good baseball program. Well, they're also somewhat limping into the tournament. They got swept by Nebraska to end the season, and so the Hoosiers will look to avoid their fourth straight loss. The Terps will look for their second straight win after their clinching victory on Saturday against Michigan State. So we'll take a look at 
the rest of the Big Ten tournament bracket a little bit more in-depth about the Terps' chances in their top half of the bracket. We'll talk to Anthony Papio, but first we'll talk to Chris Webb when we return. Stick with us here on the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Want instant info on MBN coverage? Make sure to follow us on Twitter at MDBaseballNet. MBN's Twitter account will update followers on broadcast information and will provide links to all MBN content, including interviews, game recaps, and much more. Again, don't forget to follow the official Twitter handle of the Maryland Baseball Network at MDBaseballNet. Welcome back to the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. We're joined now by Chris Webb, writer at B1G Baseball. You might recognize that B1G as, as big, but really Chris, an authority on all things in the Big Ten Conference when it comes to baseball. And, well, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you guys for having me. You guys are always uh, a treat to catch up with, and uh, you guys are right there as far as providing exposure and covering a team as well as anybody in the country. So it's always good to catch up with you guys. Well, thanks. thanks for saying that. We certainly appreciate it. But let's turn our attention to really the task at hand. This week in Omaha, it'll be a really fun week, especially for the teams that go farther than the others. But I, I just want to know your first impressions when you saw the seating and the bracket as it came out. Yeah, I, to be honest, I, I think the, the just the way the final standings ended up, um, well, in respect, outside to Maryland, I'll just finish it out a bit lower than predicted. I, I think the top of the conference kind of is was as I would predict it. Uh, traditionally, the Big Ten, it's a conference where you have to hit. You have to score runs. And I think what you saw for the teams who finished, 7-8-9, uh, be it, or 6-7-8-9, be it Maryland, uh, Michigan State, Illinois, Iowa, uh, teams who lost a lot of offensive firepower from last year. Uh, you know, those, those teams, they're right there in the regional mix. Obviously, Maryland, Illinois went to Super Regionals, but uh, Michigan lost eight guys to the draft. Uh, Illinois lost nine, Maryland eight. So uh, a lot of offensive turnover where you look at Nebraska, Ohio State, uh, Minnesota, you have teams with upperclassmen. You have teams with uh, that, can pop some, that can provide, some, provide some pop in the middle of the lineup. So I think just as far as the seeding and how the regular season ended, Kind of as you expect in the Big Ten, just with the recent history of what we had. But how it relates to the, the bracket here in Omaha, um, I think it's going to shape out or shape up to be a, a pretty fun week. Uh, there's a lot of interesting matchups, a lot of storylines, a lot of contrasting styles going head to head. So it's going to be a, a very fun run here. I certainly can't argue with that. I think when you look at a conference that's been so tight all season long in terms of standings, it it has to shape up to be exciting when the top eight teams get together. But I want to ask you about Minnesota because you say there weren't surprises. I know you were big on them all season long, but a lot of people weren't. What stood out to you from the get-go that told you this team could be a number one seed as they are? It's just a team that, that's gone to the battles. Um, you know, a very big senior class, uh, some pretty potent junior players there. So be it a Matt Fiedler, be it a Connor Schaefer, you know, Austin Athman, you've had guys who have been in the Big Ten for three or four years, and really nothing surprises them. Uh, so you look at what they can do offensively, and then you have a senior in Dalton Sawyer who turned down the draft last year, so be a, potentially a top 10 round pick as a senior sign. You know, he comes out as a number two uh, power left with the slider, a fastball in the low mid 90s. Uh, Fiedler is a two way player who sets the table on Friday. Uh, more, probably, I guess, more maybe thrower than pitcher. Um, but a high-energy guy that competes every Friday out there. So, I mean, even you have the dean of Big Ten coach, John Anderson. So, I mean, there's nothing that's going to surprise him. He knows how to get his team ready and prepared for the long haul. So, I think uh, there were the parts and pieces there. Uh, the one thing that you really can't ever predict is just the maturation you see year to year. But you do 
bank on a team with seniors and juniors here in this conference to, to find a way to get it done. I think when you look up and down the, the eight teams in this tournament, it's kind of one team. They, they each fall into two different categories. There's one there's this one set of teams that are really hot coming to the tournament, like Ohio State, like Nebraska, who just finished off the sweep of Indiana. Like, you know, I, I guess you could say Maryland coming off the, the away series win at Michigan State. But then there are teams at the same time that are entering pretty cold. Michigan has been stumbling down the stretch. Indiana, of course, got swept. And Iowa, they had a strong weekend against Penn State, but they also kind of snuck in. Yeah, and it, it, it's there's there's two thoughts with that. You know, one is a parity. I mean, you know, just have the teams that are that tightly you know bunched in the conference, or is it a testament to depth? And I think it's it's the latter. I think the Big Ten, what we saw, is nothing. You know, atypical to to a typical season in the ACC or SEC. You're going to have teams beat up on each other. And I, you know, Ohio State they had an incredible May, but they beat Iowa, uh, Minnesota, Michigan teams that are maybe scuffling coming in. Same with Nebraska. You know, they went ahead and they beat Michigan State and they beat Indiana. So it does kind of line up evenly, I guess, as far as teams that are hot opposed to teams that are cold. But I think it's just a matter of the depth in the conference and also just the, the luck of the draw as far as how the, the schedule played out. Where look at Ohio State. Ohio State won 72 in May against the team in their side of the bracket. I mean, they played each team there every weekend in, in May. And then uh, Nebraska and Maryland to play each other, but they played. Indiana and Michigan State on back-to-back weeks and went 5-1 and one against those two teams. So, um, conversely, you have Michigan who's scuffling a bit. They just got sort of by Ohio State. Or you have Indiana who's had a quickly turn around and try to regroup, potentially facing Nebraska um, in game two. So, yeah, it's, it's yeah, I think you're right. You can kind of see there's a divide as far as who's hot, who's coming with some momentum, and who's, who's not. And I think they go hand-in-hand with just how the, the schedule played out and also just the depth of the conference. With with that said, I think one thing that you know you'll hear all the coaches of these teams say, regardless of of whether they're hot or whether they're cold, that the Big Ten baseball tournament represents pretty much a clean slate for everybody. That you know the postseason is starting; it's a whole kind of new area, new feel to it, especially with this atmosphere in Omaha. And I think the onus, at least for the teams that are going to fare better, at least from my perspective, because you mentioned that it kind of focuses on you know what teams can hit and what teams can produce runs in the regular season consistently, and I agree with that. I think in the Big Ten tournament, though, there's a lot more to be placed on the pitching staffs, and you know if you're going to go deep in the tournament, you kind of need to have the staff that you know is three deep, four deep, or at least has guys you know who are in the midweek that are going to be solid for you potentially in a championship game. And I think when you look up and down, there's really only I don't know, maybe two or three teams that can say that they have a truly deep pitching staff. I think Indiana does with between Kyle Harden and Caleb Barriger. Nebraska certainly does, especially with Matt Walton, who could be the freshman of the year. I think Maryland does, as I mentioned, you know, in our emails the last week. And, you know, certainly some other teams as well. Yeah, there's um, it's kind of similar to, as you spoke on, teams that are coming in hot, teams that are coming in cold. I think you can also maybe form a, a division on teams that, you feel really confident with as far as their pitching and the pitching depth and teams that maybe uh, it's a bit of a question mark where Ohio State, Indiana, and Michigan State, they come in with ERAs under 3.25. I mean, you know, they're the three of the best staffs in the country. Uh, we're opposed to, I know Maryland's been strong of late with Brian Schaefer and, you know, Mike Shore and the rotation coming around, but um, this hasn't been the traditional Maryland staff that we're used to. Uh, same with Michigan. Now uh, they strike out a lot of guys, but they walk a lot of guys. It's a pretty up and down. Uh, pitching staff and Nebraska, they're pitching great right now, but it's been a work in progress all year. Uh, Matt Walter has come along of late. 
uh, Jake Myers is pitching as well as anybody in the conference, but he only has four conference starts under his belt. They've had a tinker in play as far as what they were out there. So you have some teams that have uh, established rotations that have been there one, two, three for the entire year. Uh, you have a team on Michigan State who has an incredible bullpen with Dakota Mekis at the back end. They're going to see what they get out of Cam View, who's uh, coming off injury. So there's, there's a question there. And then um, Iowa. Um, Iowa hasn't quite had the pitching staff, but Tyler Payton comes in right on a 23-inning scoreless streak in, in May. Um, he's showing the form that we may be expected out of a two-way All-American, even though he ended up entering May with an ERA near seven. So uh, as far as the, the tournament and the, the reliance of pitching, you, you do need it. I mean, there's not a way to battle back the lose bracket without having um, a legit number four, um, having some bullpen depth. And even in the winner's bracket, you're going to play four games regardless. So it's, if you're going to try to win the championship, you're better off having a number four pitcher or a pretty deep bullpen so you're not relying on, you know, maybe bringing that wins the guy back out on a short rest, uh, you know, hoping to get two or three innings there and kind of piecing together. Uh, you do need to have some pitching depth here and to win a conference tournament. Let's focus in a little bit more on Maryland. Obviously, Jake and I are around this team day in and day out. But what's the national perspective or the conference perspective on this Maryland team coming into the tournament? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Where entering the season, uh, high expectations. Uh, you have a team that has appeared in back-to-back Charlottesville Super Regionals. You know, two wins uh, from Omaha Wallman two years ago, two wins last year. Uh, so it's a team that it's, it's there on the – on the conscience and on the mind of national uh, writers, uh, casual fans even nowadays, especially when you have Mike Shore coming back on top of the rotation and you have a two-time All-American, USA baseball, Cleveland national team, you know, along a potential top two round draft pick. So um, people, you know, predicted Maryland if they could win the Big Ten and there was a lot to like on paper and, you know, there's many reasons to think that would be the case. And unfortunately, it just hasn't played out. Um, I don't think everybody thinks Maryland's a bad team by any means. Uh, I just think that when you have the type of losses that Maryland has sustained over the last two years with guys leaving early to the draft, that a bit of, of a drop-off will fall off. And unfortunately, during the middle part of the season, uh, Sherman just wasn't the pitcher that we come to expect. He's rebounded late and just going to take the ball Wednesday, you know, and be probably you know, the Sherman that we're going to expect, you know, a hard competitor. Uh, you're going to have to fight and take the ball out of his hand. So there's no question with what he's going to bring to the bound and how he set the table for Maryland as far as the mentality. But just as far as the perception, I think – it's expected a bit, you know, it's, it takes a very, 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 very special program to play at such an elite level for three consecutive years. I mean, you look around the, the country, uh, you have traditional powers like Texas, Scotland, uh, South Carolina, after their two college world series championships, you know, they struggle to get back at that elite level. So it, it's, it's nothing that it's a knock to the program or anybody thinks the program's bad. It's just, Hey, you know, maybe just step backwards a, a bit, you know, it's still a very competitive team as we saw you know, with the series out of college state Fullerton. But just maybe the depth this year isn't quite what's necessary to, to maintain that very high level that we've had the last two years. I also want to ask you a wider question about college baseball. Obviously, you cover the Big Ten specifically, and we've talked about a little bit throughout this conversation how the depth has improved, how there's more parity. The RPI rankings come out today, and everyone in the top ten is either from the SEC or the ACC. Obviously, those teams have a lot of history. They get a lot of good recruits. They play baseball year-round. Is the Big Ten not getting the respect that it deserves, or when will they be at that level? Yeah, well, it's, I don't think you can view the RPI and relate that to is it a matter of the Big Ten being respected or not. I mean, the RPI is just formal. You put in numbers and how they shake out, they shake out. So 
I don't think the RPI is an indication of whether or not the big thing gets the credit it deserves. I think we have to view the RPI, or the RPI of what it is. And unfortunately for teams in this part of the country, it's really not a formula that speaks to the, to the quality of programs that we have. Uh, it's, it's a program that relies very heavily on what your opponents and their opponents do. And just by how college baseball season is, uh, for the first five, six weeks of the season, teams this part of the country, they're, they're playing down south. They're just out of the gym from winter workouts. Unfortunately, they're not playing their best baseball where you have the, where you have the ACC and SEC schools throughout their practice in January and February. They have that leg up. So when you're playing your non-conference in that type of just situation, that environment, you, you want to scuffle off the bat. I mean, we, we saw Indiana struggle out the gate. They turned around and then played as well as anybody in the country there late April on May. Even um, in Ohio State is playing as hot as baseball right now. They weren't the team that they they weren't the team that they are now in the first two or three weeks of the season. And then what happens in this early part of the season, you have the, the Big Ten, um, even the, outside of the Big Ten, you have the MAC, where you have the, the A-10, the, the Big East. Teams that the Big Ten plays a lot during midweek series or in their, in their bye or, um, you know, just in late May as the weather warms up here in this part of the country, you have those teams that go down south and they get beat up. They're even further behind the eight ball. They don't have the facilities that, the, that our Ohio State, that Michigan has, where they can practice indoor in a full-size you know, indoor football st- uh, arena. So it, it's, 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 a, it's a formula that just, it's going to produce the numbers that you plug in. Um, so it doesn't have any bias to it, uh, but it's a formula that's not conducive to gauging the quality of Big Ten teams based off of how it relies on what your opponents do and those opponents and just reality of college baseball being such a warm weather sport in the first two months. Focusing, you know, the national conversation back to the Big Ten Conference I think it's clear to you know on a national scale that Minnesota, with winning the Big Ten regular season title, is is pretty safe in terms of you know getting into the field of 64. And but you know outside of them, I think it's pretty much up for grabs in terms of Big Ten teams. So who do you see from the conference, you know, in terms of getting a bid? And for the teams that might be on the bubble, what do they have to do? I think right now you can't safely say Minnesota and Nebraska are in. Um, it would take a lot for them to be out, um, and a lot being. Um, conference champions from other schools that are still in bids, as they say, on top of only two showings for both. So I think those right there could be two Big Ten teams. I think Ohio State has played itself on the right side of the bubble today. Um, if they go only two, it's going to be very dicey come selection Monday. I think at worst, they need to go one and two, um, be there at 39 wins, and then have, I think that would give them 14 or 15 wins against the top one, get the top 100, have a winning record against the top 50. So I think Ohio State would win. They should safely be in. Michigan might be a team that needs two wins. Unfortunately, their end of season one and seven run put them, in my opinion, on the wrong side of the bubble. And when you speak of the bubble, I mean, there's a lot that's, that's dependent on. I mean, it's, it's going to rely on conference tournaments in, in, in the MAC, you know, does somebody beat Kent State or what happens in the Missouri Valley Conference, um, who makes a run, you know, in the Big 12 and stuff like that. So um kind of hate talking about the bubble, but just from what you can expect from years past relative to what's happening now, I think that the bull picture has Ohio State and Michigan on the wrong side. And I know Maryland's RPI is there, I, I, and the training schedule is in their favor. I don't know if they go wanted to how the selection community views the team that's just two games over 500. Um, unfortunately, in the, in the SEC with, with an RPI around 25-30, that gets the job done. We've seen teams like Florida in 2013 – um, being right around 500. I don't know if the Big Ten and Maryland get that benefit of the doubt. 
So I would think that Maryland needs three, two or three ones this weekend to stay in the conversation. Um, after that, Michigan State, Indiana, Iowa, they need to win the Big Ten tournament to get that out of it. In your experience covering college baseball, what in your mind sticks out as something that the committee weighs heavily, such as do they weigh a good win more so than a bad loss or vice versa? My, what I've viewed, it's been how you finish the season. And that's why, I, unfortunately, the mission out on the outside right now. I'm um, going back to last year. Ohio State had an RPA that finished the season of 41. Um, they had a great one-loss record in the top 100, but they fell for the month of May. Uh, they got swept by Indiana to close regular season, went 0-2 in Minnesota to finish the season 0-5, um, on top of having series losses at home in Iowa and, Minnesota, or Iowa and Maryland. So they left a bad taste in their mouth uh, for the flex community as far as you and Ohio State, how they enter the tournament. Um, same with Michigan State last year. Uh, Michigan State was the first team out, but I think a lot of people view their end of season skid as not quite being good enough to get into the tournament. Where on the other hand, uh, we saw Indiana finish on an incredible run last year. Um, Indiana maybe not, didn't have the the showing as far as through the entire 56 game season, but they played at the right time. So um, as far as wins and losses, I, I think we all know baseball. It's, nature of the beast. You know, a team is not going to show up one day. They're going to get a bad break here or there. So a bad loss is going to kill you. Um, having a quality of win, especially a world win, um, is, is nice. But I think ultimately it comes down to how, how does that team look? If they're in the bubble fix, how are how they played the last 15, uh, 10 games relative to other teams in the bubble? So focusing back on, on the Big Ten baseball bracket, I think really the golden question is, you know, what do you expect to happen? Who do you expect to see come out on top on Sunday? Um, I, I think everything's on a, it lines up to have a collision course of Ohio State and Nebraska. I think those teams, the teams are playing hot. Um, if you look historically in the Big Ten, especially in the last five years, the Big Ten tournament is a stage where big-time players show, uh, be it Kyle Schroeder, Sam Travis at Indiana, uh, Colin Pawecki at Purdue. Last year, Jacob Cornworth uh, doing two-way duties for Michigan. And if you look at Ohio State and Nebraska, they've had the two top positional prospects in this year's draft, and outfielder Ryan Dawson and Ryan Bolt. Um, Ryan Dawson on Saturday hit a game-time home run in the eighth against Minnesota, comes back and hits a solo shot to give Ohio State the lead in the 10th inning on the way to victory. Ryan Bolt's going to go out in grand style, I think. Um, his last game there in the state of Nebraska, they're going to draw big games for uh, whenever they play. So, And also just the history of Nebraska and Ohio State. It seems like each year those two teams mirror each other. Uh, last year, they both had similar late season skid. Uh, two years before that, they played four one run games. So I, I think those two teams, with how they're playing, uh, stakes that are the line for Ohio State, Nebraska having the home crowd behind them. Um, I think it's going to line up to to see a Scholar and Red Championship Sunday in, in Omaha. But then, of course, you know, what do you think of Maryland's chances? You know, I feel like, you know, they're not getting a whole lot of attention, but, you know, with the pitching between Mike Shawarn, Taylor Bloom, Brian Schaefer, and then potentially Hunter Parsons, I feel like the Terps could be a pretty big dark horse in this tournament. Yeah, I think, I think a dark horse is a good way to, uh, to view it. Uh, I don't think that they're anybody's favorite um, at this time, just with the way Ohio State and Nebraska finish the season. Uh, Maryland being the champions, and uh, they have a heck of a draw um, out of the gate that, that 10 a.m. 9 central start against Kyle Hart. You know, Kyle Hart is a veteran, redshirt senior, his fifth year. Tim wins the season. All he seems to do is just win for Indiana. Um, doesn't have the, the, the most overpowering stuff, uh, but he knows what it takes. I mean, he's played on the big stage. So um, not the 
most favorable draw, uh, especially for a, a younger team, uh, kind of getting their first go in the postseason with some of the bats uh, Maryland's going to roll out there. Um, I know they have Anthony Ocavio. They have you know, Nick Sierra, you know, veteran guys, but uh, he doesn't quite have that out of presence once in the in years past. And I think uh, Kyle Hart's just, he's a pitcher's pitcher. So, you know, to have him and, and also be in that same bracket, you know, with Nebraska and Michigan State. I, I think I'd like Miss the Maryland's chances better if they were in the cycle with Iowa, Ohio State, Minnesota, Michigan, you know, kick one of those teams out and put them there. But I think when you have a, a Kyle Hart and then you, you have a, potentially either Ethan Landon or you have Nebraska in game two, uh, that, that's a tough task. But, you know, if anybody can do it, you know, Maryland can with the pitchers that they were going to run out there with, with Schaefer and, and Bloom and Schwerin. So like, that's a good start. Um, I guess what comes down to me with Maryland is who's going to be the number four pitcher and also who's going to be the, the player that can come through with timely hits. All right. Well, there you have it. The Terps, the, doubt, the dark horse in this tournament. And, of course, you know, with the at-large bid pretty much non-existent, they'll have to win the whole thing. But thanks, Chris, for coming on the podcast on this edition, always great to talk with you and catch up, and we'll look forward to seeing you this week in Omaha. Absolutely, guys. You know, like I said, you guys are doing a great job, so keep up the work, and I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys here in Omaha. All Thanks, right. Chris. When we come back on the Maryland Baseball Network podcast, we'll chat with Redshirt Senior Anthony Papio. He's been here before. Find out why this time it's a little different. Coming up next. Like what you hear? Think we can do better? Feel free to reach out. Email us at MarylandBaseballNetwork at gmail.com with any recommendations you have as to how we can make our broadcast and website better. All feedback is welcomed. Again, that's MarylandBaseballNetwork at gmail.com. Welcome back to the 20th episode of the Maryland Baseball Podcast. It's a special one. We're here in Omaha alongside Jake Eisenberg. I'm at present, and we're now joined by Anthony Papio and when we rolled up in Omaha, you obviously got here, you know, with the team a day or two ago now, but you saw the stadium for the first time. What was that feeling? Uh, it's pretty awesome. Um, you know, I've seen it on TV a few times, and it's a pretty sweet stadium, but getting to see it in person was uh, was pretty awesome for sure. Um, I haven't been inside yet. I know a couple of our guys uh, took a trip down there, but um, we'll get to see it tomorrow morning, which which should, you know, be even cooler. I know there was a little bit of a sentiment coming in that, you know, you know, obviously the team's in Omaha now, but it's not during the College World Series. It's the Big Ten tournament. But then I feel like that kind of all went away when you guys saw the stadium, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, a lot of guys were saying, you know, they didn't necessarily want to come here unless we came here for the actual College World Series. But um, I think when we showed up in town and, you know, got to look at the stadium and see kind of what it's all about, um, I think everybody's pretty excited to be here. I think it's pretty clear that at this point, Maryland's road to Omaha will, will start in Omaha. And, you know, I think we, we were talking earlier about, you know, the bid potential in terms of the NCAA tournament. And it really seems, you know, it's it's kind of the same situation as it was last weekend when and Maryland is in. So I guess is that the mentality that, you know, the team has? Yeah, um, I think we kind of might be at a point right now where we're going to have to win the tournament to get into the um, into a regional. So. Um, the big thing we got to think about is just not looking looking too far ahead. Um, if we start getting worried about making it to the championship game and stuff like that, that's going to really uh, really hurt us. So um, we got a really good team. Uh, we're playing on Wednesday morning in Indiana, so we got to worry about that first. Well, you mentioned Indiana, and they have a very good starting pitcher that you're going to face tomorrow in Kyle Hart. Have you faced him before last year? I would assume, or no? I think we. I'm pretty sure we did last year. Um, 
I can't remember what we did that game, but um, well, last year at home, Maryland yeah. got swept, but then redemption in the Big Ten tournament. Right. But- yeah, I just can't remember if he started that Big Ten tournament game or not. He didn't. Okay. So yeah. Um. So yeah, we've seen him before. Um. Obviously, they had a lot of success against us last year during the regular season, but um. You know, different team this year for us. Different team for them too. So. We're just going to go out there and try to run off a good plan. Obviously, we've talked at length this season about the inconsistencies, the up-and-down season. Do you get a sense that this is an opportunity to wipe the slate clean? Yeah, I mean, you know, once the postseason starts, the regular season doesn't matter anymore. So um, I think it's whoever gets hot at the right time. Um, you know, we're coming off a, a pretty big uh, series win, and it's a kind of a thing where our back's at the wall a little bit right now, and uh, I think in the past that's kind of when we've played our best. So, obviously, in Michigan State, you know, things were, I guess you could say, a little bit touch and go. You know, the win on Thursday, but then the loss on Friday, and it was, you know, kind of down to that final Saturday. And, obviously, you guys didn't want to be scoreboard watchers come, you know, Saturday afternoon with Illinois and Michigan. So, you got business done on Saturday. What kind of confidence do you think that gives this team, especially with so many young guys? Um, I think that's really big for us. Um you know, it, it teaches a lot of the young guys, you know, just kind of throws them out in that atmosphere where, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure, you know, for a lot of them. They've never been ex- uh, had to experience that before. Um, and I think uh, a lot of those guys like Hunter Parsons, you know, Dunn, Marty Costas, I think those guys grew up a lot um, in that in that Saturday game. So that's going to be big for us moving forward and, you know, throughout this week. Well, it's a very young team really overall. And I think it's a luxury that there are so many guys that are on that team that were on last year's team too, you know, and main contributors like Kevin Biondic, Ryan Selmer, Taylor Bloom, and, and Brian Schaefer, all, you know, sophomores that, you know, have been to a Super Regional. But then you also have key contributors like Hunter Parsons and Marty and Nick Dunn, as you mentioned, that weren't there last year. So with you, as someone who's been there not once but twice, what's kind of – what do you tell them? You know, the thing that you tell them is – it's the same game. It's nothing, nothing different than any regular season game throughout the year. Um, you got to go out and make. If you're, I mean, if you're a pitcher, you got to go out and make pitches you need to make. You just need to execute your plan. Um, offensively, you need to run off the same things you've been doing all year. Um, pitchers just need to throw strikes, and you got to realize that you've got a bunch of other guys behind you that are there to pick you up. You know what I mean? You just got to go out and do your job and give it your best effort, and everybody else will be there for you. What's the difference of this tournament? you know, as opposed to series throughout the season. Obviously, there there's the pressure. It means a lot more. But what's the atmosphere like for you? Is there interaction with the different guys on other teams, kind of since there are all these different teams here? Um, yeah, so a lot of it, um, you know, I not so much the younger guys, but a lot of the older guys have played summer ball with a lot of these other kids from, from other Big Ten teams. So um, you, you make some pretty good relationships during summer ball and stuff like that. So you're, you're very, uh, you're very cool with them off the field, but you know, once it's game time, that kind of, kind of goes out the window and it's, um, you know, it's, everybody's competitive. Well, with that being said, you know, you've now been to, you know, an ACC tournament, a big 10 tournament in target field, and now, you know, approaching the big 10 tournament here in Omaha, what makes this year different? Um, you know, it's, not too different, but obviously the main thing for me um, is this is this will be my last one. So um, that's not any added pressure or anything. But uh, I think if anything, I'm just gonna you know go out and try to enjoy it as much as I can. Um, obviously, still giving my best effort on the field, and you know hopefully we're gonna walk away with a, a conference championship this year. We've come up a game short the past two years, so uh, it'd be pretty cool to go out um, on a winning note. And from a team perspective, what's 
What's different about this team? Obviously, I think this year's team, uh, we have a lot more younger guys playing pretty significant roles. Um, you know, last year we had a lot of guys that were in the lineup for, for a few years, um, a lot of experience, and I think this year is just a little bit more uh, – there's a little more inexperience on this year's team, but um, those guys have been producing a ton for us all year, so I expect them to do the same this week. You talk about coming up a game short. What do you take away from those experiences? Not necessarily, you know, those specific games, but the tournament atmosphere and that final game. Um, the biggest thing I think I've learned from playing in a couple of these conference tournaments is that the team that plays the cleanest usually wins. It's, you know, not necessarily – I mean, they're always close games. They're always super close games. No one gets boat raced in a conference championship or anything like that. So the, the team that comes out and executes and, and plays clean baseball usually wins. Well, that was certainly the case last year through – the first three games up until the final, it was 700 runs scored for you guys, and just one of the runs that you guys scored was earned. So, you know, Maryland was the cleaner team, and Maryland came out on top. And in this year's draw, you know, you'll face Indiana, the team that you guys faced in the semifinal last year. So what are you looking at in terms of Indiana? Um, you know what? We'll, we'll have our scouting report tomorrow morning uh, or maybe tomorrow afternoon. But uh, we know that they're a really good team. They had a really good regular season, and – um, I think the biggest thing is to not look too much at, at them and worry more about us. Um, I think when we, you know, go out and do everything we need to do from all sides of the ball, offensive, defensive, and pitching, you know, we've, we've played pretty well. Um, we get into trouble when we start, you know, giving the other teams freebies and, and stuff like that. I think that's, that's what hurts us. So our biggest opponent's ourselves. If we go out and do our thing, then we're usually in good shape. When you look at the entire field, you know, Maryland was obviously picked to finish at the top of the conference entering the season. There were a lot of expectations. There's also a lot of pieces that left and a lot of new guys that filled those roles. When you look at the field in the Big Ten tournament now and Maryland is the sixth seed, I think there's a sense that the Terps are somewhat of an underdog. Do you guys relish that role? Um, you know, it's that's kind of a role we've had um, a little bit in the past couple years. Um, throughout the postseason, we've gone in as a three seed or a two seed. So um, obviously we weren't expected to win our regionals and, you know, eventually make it onto a super regional. But that's not really how we're looking at it. You know what I mean? Once once tournament time rolls around, underdogs aren't aren't really a thing anymore. Anybody can win during, uh, during the postseason. And I think Georgia Tech, if I'm not mistaken, um, when they won the ACC championship our last year in the ACC, they were a seven or eight seed, I'm pretty sure. So, um, you know, there's there's always those teams that sneak their way into their conference tournament and then sneak their way into a, a regional and, you know, do some damage once they make it there. So um, we're just, you know, very, we're very confident in ourselves and we think we have a great chance to go out and win this thing and that's kind of what our plan is. You look at the field and it's a very competitive conference this year, up and down. Obviously going into last weekend, there were so many spots still open so many teams bunched up in the standings. You're a veteran guy. What do you see for this conference moving forward? I mean, obviously the conference has improved every year. Um, it's it's getting, you know, very, very competitive with the other top conferences throughout the country. So, um, I mean, I expect it to keep keep rising and, and uh, you know, battling with the ACCs and the SECs of the country. So, um, you know, we'll see soon. But, I mean, we've had teams make it to the College World Series you know, in the past few years, um, we'll see if, you know, hopefully we'll start being national contenders pretty regularly. 
with the youth that this team has and all the underclassmen that are contributing from, you know, the guys in the starting rotation like Schaefer and Bloom and the guys in the lineup like Dunn and Costas. What do you see for the Maryland program moving forward? Obviously, this season is still going on, but I don't think it's too early to look ahead. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we have a ton of ton of really young talent. And, um, you know, with some of our older guys leaving this year or after this year, um, you know, there's going to be new guys step up into leadership roles. And I think we have a, a few guys that can definitely handle that. Um, so I think our young guys are just going to keep improving. And, you know, they're going to be responsible for – teaching the, the new guys coming in in the years uh, moving forward, um, do the same thing for them. So, I mean, I expect I expect this team to be very, very competitive for a long time and, you know, contenders every year. Well, I think Jake and I have talked about this before. It starts with the pitching staff, and if you look at what Hunter Parsons has done in the midweek and down the stretch in the bullpen as well, I mean, that's – going to seamlessly transition into next year with him as part of the weekend rotation yeah for sure um you know if he keeps keeps improving and and works works at the game he should be a a huge part of what what they got going on next year and um should pitch in a lot of really big games for them I know for a guy like you you know the game is it's a a lot of all business you know you're a player that's kind of very straight edge you know knows the grindstone kind of a blue collar player but when you step out on that field at Omaha tomorrow for practice but then also you know at the start of the tournament on Wednesday, you know, what kind of emotions will, will kind of creep in there? Um, you know, like the idea of playing in Omaha is something I've, I've wanted to do ever since I got here. And, you know, we came up just a little bit short the past couple years. So obviously this isn't the college world series, but, you know, being able to play at TD Ameritrade for the first time is, is going to be a pretty, pretty special experience for me. So I'm going to, you know, try to soak it all in. Well, as we've said, The trip to the College World Series will start in Omaha. It will have to go through Omaha, and you guys hope to be back in Omaha. Anthony Papio, thanks so much for joining us on the 20th episode of the Maryland Baseball Podcast. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. When we come back, more on the Big Ten Tournament going forward, the matchup with Indiana on Wednesday. Stick with us here on the Maryland Baseball Network Podcast. The Maryland Baseball Network isn't just a broadcast network. It's a comprehensive online platform dedicated to bringing you everything Terrapins baseball. Be sure to check out our website by going to www.MarylandBaseballNetwork.com where you can find game recaps, podcasts, news, video, and much more. That's MarylandBaseballNetwork.com, your home for all things Terps. Welcome back to this very special edition of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Jay Geisenberg alongside Matt Present here in Omaha, Nebraska. And we're joined now by Maryland starting pitcher Mike Schwarn. Mike, thanks for coming on the podcast tonight. Oh, of course, of course. If I'm not mistaken, we're in our 20th episode on the podcast, and this is your third appearance, which oh, wow. <laughs> I think might be most all time. Oh, wow. I'm 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 honored. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're honored. We're honored to have you here as well. So we'll start by asking you the same question that we asked Anthony Papio to start off our conversation with him. Obviously, this is the first time that you know we're in Omaha. When you pulled mm-hmm. up, when we pulled up on the bus, and you got your first look at the stadium, what kind of went through your mind? Um. Kind of like the all that um, that that surrounds Omaha, um, just the legends that have played here, uh, whether it's at this stadium or Ro- uh, Rosenblatt. Um, you know, it, it's it'll be a surreal experience to play on the you know the same type of field um, that you know the the best stage in college baseball can play at, and and we get a chance to you know play at it here now and. 
you know, and hopefully in, in a couple more weeks. So, um, you know, it's going to be cool. and It's a great stadium too. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not your average Joe stadium by any means. It's, it's really cool. So, um, it, it'll be fun. And, and, and I've heard that the atmosphere is great too. So, uh, it'll be a great, great, uh, day and great week of baseball. Now, you guys have played in some pretty big atmospheres over the last couple of years, you know, whether it was UCL and the regional Charlottesville mm-hmm. a couple of times, yeah. you know, opening the LSU ballpark and going down to Alabama at the beginning of the season. And of course, target field last year, mm-hmm. you know, on a major league stadium. So and Columbia for sure as well. That's oh, also yeah. worth mentioning. So I guess yeah, yeah. how does, how does this compare to those environments? Um, I would imagine it's going to be up there. I mean, um, I, I, for my perspective, um, Columbia and, and, you know, South Carolina, that was coming in as a freshman. That was probably the one that stands out the most. Um, it's the loudest the stadium I've ever heard has ever been. Um, and it was just cool, you know, first experience in that type of atmosphere. Um, but you know, I'm sure this will rival that, um, you know, and this is a, you know, college baseball town. So the town embraces it. So I'm sure, you know, the crowds are going to be great. Um, and it's going to be a fun atmosphere. Well, obviously, you're kicking things off with the start against Indiana, but mm-hmm. you, Brian Schaefer, Taylor Bloom, all pitched in the Big Ten tournament a year ago. How important is it to have three guys with that experience coming into the tournament this year? I think it's a, it's a great, great thing to have. I mean, I, I don't know, um, you know, roster-wise what the other teams have, but I know for us it, it's it's good to have guys in major roles with that type of experience. Um, you know, it, it's second to none to kind of – you have a kind of a sense of calmness over you, you know, you know what to expect. Um, you know, at the same time, it's going to, you know, you're still going to, you're still going to have that, you know, mentality, um, of a playoff, you know, game, but, um, yeah, it's really important to have to, especially as a starting pitcher to have for a team, you know, get us off on the right foot, um, whether it's me, Bloom or, you know, Schaefer, um, and, and the stuff, you know, the stuff that they have behind that, you know, it, it carries a long way. When it comes to Maryland pitchers, I think it's safe to say that nobody's really pitched on a bigger stage than you have pitching for Team USA, you know, nationally over the summer. And of course, you know, the, the regionals and super regionals over the last couple of years. So when you take the mound for, for game one, that's obviously going to be a pretty big atmosphere in and of itself. So how do you handle that pressure? along with the pressure of, you know, starting things off on the right foot, as you said. Yeah, and, um, yeah, that's a really good point. And basically what you have to do is simplify everything. Um, you know, you got to go out there, and it's the same, you know, same distance as the mound back home, uh, same distance as the mound that, you know, I've pitched off of for years, you know, now, and um, same, you know, same distance as high school. So, um, you know, you just have to make it work within those 60 feet, six inches and, and kind of forget everything else, um, you know, and, and really give it everything you got, you know, with with that 60 feet, six inches. And like I said, you, you got to have blinders kind of, um, you know, and, and you got to be really focused to, uh, like I said, block everything out. Um, you know, there's a lot of distractions. You know, Chef talks about a lot of distractions. And at this stage of the year, there are. Um, you know, with no school and, you know, just the atmosphere that that's here, um, you know, with a bunch of fans and, and you know, they're, they're going to be crazy in the stands, you know. So um, but at the end of the day, I, I think, you know, for myself and all the other guys, you know, when we step on the field, you, you almost forget all that stuff. And, um, you know, you, you play for that moment, you know, and 
um, it's a special thing to look back at and, and, and realize and, and, you know, accept, but in the moment you don't really, you know, realize how many people are in the stands or, you know, who's there, who's not, you, you just kind of, you know, focus on the job that at hand and, you know, for batters, that's what, if that's getting a two out hit or two strike hit and, and for pitchers, you know, making big pitches when they need to. What's your pregame routine like? What do you do to help yourself block out all those distractions? Um, yeah, I kind of just sit by myself and and kind of listen to music, just kind of get in the zone, um, you know, kind of prepare blocking everything out for, you know, pregame and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, sometimes I don't like it because, I, you know, I like to be around the team and, you know, kind of see how they're doing and, you know, try and pump them up. But, um, you know, for me, I, I know the – the way I, you know I, I'm going to be successful on the mound is just kind of stay calm and relax and 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 you know focused on the you know task at hand. So tomorrow, Indiana, you faced them a year ago. Do you remember anything from that start that you can carry over to this season? Obviously, the roster not identical. Yeah, I mean uh, they were a tough team. Um, you know they they put a put a lot of contact on on, on the balls and they were and they were tough uh, too. So um, you know. With that coming into tomorrow, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're going to be the same type of team. You know, they're going to be tough. They're going to be scrappy. You know, they're going to be a good team. Um, and with that, you know, I just got to worry about attacking guys and, and getting the first guy out and throwing the first strike and, you know, keep going on from there and getting the second out and then the third and, you know, hopefully the 27th out. So, um, but yeah, it, from year to year, things may change and, and, and stuff. So, um, the bigger thing now is to kind of focus on, you know, my game and, and being able to attack guys and, and going out there being sharp. Um, you know, sometimes when, when you look at the roster and stuff, you, you kind of get caught up and, and you may just kind of back down a little bit. And, you know, at this stage, you know, I think for myself and as the team, you know, we're, we like to attack guys and, and kind of throw the first punch and, you know, keep throwing it hopefully. <laughs> um, but yeah, we like to, you know, go out and um, attack guys. And, and for us to do that, you know, I gotta, I gotta start it off on the mound. Well, you got the 27th out in your start on Thursday, the complete game, second one yeah. of the career for you. And, you know, it's safe to say that after, I guess, kind of a, a rougher start at the beginning of the season, the second half has been a little bit better for you. So mm -hmm. what's kind of changed over, you know, maybe the last few weeks of the month or so? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously the first part of the season wasn't ideal, but, um, you know, sometimes that's baseball and that's just kind of the hand you're dealt with. So, um, you know, for me, I just kind of try to take away the positives from each start and just keep working at it and keep grinding at it. Um, you know, and, and I really wanted to pride myself in just kind of making it a temporary thing. Um, you know, cause I knew for myself and as a team, um, you know, if we were going to have a good year you know I had to you know raise my my level that I was playing at so um you know I, I didn't do anything really crazy I just kind of went back to the routine that got me that here and um just kept working at it and you know things started to fall my way and um you know I'm I'm, I'm just kind of rolling with it and and just kind of keep going and hopefully um it'll take us you know far this year Obviously, the Big Ten, really competitive all season long. You saw going into the very last weekend of the season how many spots in the tournament were still up for grabs. Yeah. You know, a very competitive tournament, it looks like. I mean, what is your takeaway for the conference this season as a whole? I, I think it's a good year. I mean, um, to have that competitiveness up and down, 
um, you know, that, that's, that's a good thing. You know, you, it's good to have teams that are in dog fights from weekend to weekend, you know, weekend to weekend. And it's exciting for the fans, um, exciting for the players. I mean, if you're playing games where you're blowing people out, you know, it's great to <laughs> blow people out and, and, you know, get an easy win here and there. But, um, you know, it, it's also fun to win those close games and, and, and kind of, you know, come from behind and walk-offs and all that stuff, you know, all the exciting stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would say it's been a good year for the Big Ten where, um, you know, it, it comes down to the last, last weekend. It, it makes it fun. We talked to Anthony kind of about the same thing in terms of the bracket, how – Maryland was picked to finish near the top of the conference at the start of things, but obviously, you know, coming into this tournament as the sixth seed, do you guys see yourselves as somewhat of an underdog in this tournament? Do you relish that role? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I think we accept the hand that we've been dealt. Um, you know, we understand what's happened throughout the season. We've learned from our mistakes. Um, you know, I, I would I would like to say we've learned from them and 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 you know, kind of um, polished them. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we embrace it. Um, we embrace it as a challenge. We embrace it as, you know, adversity. And, you know, the only thing we can do right now is overcome the adversity and overcome, you know, our season that we've had and, and start fresh. I mean, um, the best thing about, you know, playoffs is everyone starts O and O. So, um, you know, for us, we look at it as a level playing field and, you know, we're ready to show people, you know, what we're actually capable of. All right, fill in the blank. For Maryland to win the tournament, you need to do what as a team? I, I think we need to play, um, you know, clean defense, make pitches, and get timely hits. Um, you know, and, and I think that's been – that's not only for, you know, a tournament that – you know, that's for the whole season, but especially in tournament time, um, you know, get timely hits, get two-out hits. Two-out hits wins ball games. I would say probably like 97% of the time. I mean, that's not an actual statistic. You know, I, I made that up. But if you, <laughs> hey, look, you said you're a numbers guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Well, you know what they say, you know, 60% of the statistics are right like 90% of the time. Yeah, so, um, you know, but if you just watch the game long enough, you, you can tell that two out hits, you know, win ball games. And, and on the flip side is getting those two outs, you know, getting the third out after, you know, having those two outs and, and not allowing those two out hits against us and, um, you know, playing clean defense, you know, defense wins championships. So, um, you know, that's been an argument for decades now. But, you know, I, I believe that is, you know, if you don't let people score, eventually you're going to have to score. So, <laughs> Well, it's quite the long fill in the blank. Yeah, well, <laughs> give a little explanation on that. For your, for he your, went with the short answer. For your, <laughs> for your second fill in the blank, mm -hmm. what will you take away from the experience here in Omaha, you know, whether it ends with the – the championship or it ends, you know, sooner than you'd like? Uh, I'll take away the memories with the guys. Um, you know, I think they're priceless. Um, you know, I've been blessed to play on three great teams. And, um, you know, I, I cherished every moment um, with all those guys. So that for me, that'll be the most, um, you know, most cherished moments, you know, is, is what I'll take away from it. Well, that's Maryland starting pitcher Mike Schwarn, who will take the ball in game one, the first of the tournament, Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock Eastern time, and we'll be on the pregame show live at 9.40 a.m. That's been the 20th episode of the Maryland Baseball Podcast. For Jake Eisenberg, Anthony Papio, Mike Schwarn, I'm Matt Present. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you Wednesday.